You are listening to weekly messages from Austin Christian Fellowship. For more information about ACF, visit acfellowship.org. Well, greetings, everybody. How are you guys doing? You guys well? Good morning. Hello out there online, Austin Christian Fellowship online. Welcome. It is good to see everybody. Can we all please thank our worship team for leading us? Yeah, I'm telling you. Feels dangerously like church in here to me. That's a good thing. So if I don't have the pleasure of knowing you, I've met a bunch of guests today in the house here. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. Um, it's nice to know you and you guys online, especially you're part of this family. We're so glad you're here. If I don't know you, my name is Will Davis Jr. This is Austin Christian Fellowship. You're in the right place. And we're so glad you're here. Um, if you at any point want to know something about our church, uh, our worship times, serving events, giving opportunities, prayer opportunities, et cetera, et cetera, how to connect small groups, ministries, text ACF Connect, one word, ACF Connect, to 512-866-9908, 512-866-9908, even during this service, 9908. Um, you can also raise your hand there online, and we have hosts that will greet you immediately. I want to say hi to everybody, Red Hearts, the hosts. You guys do, I was online last week. You guys do a great job. It was fun to be with you. And that's how we'll get back to you is through that text. And so I was talking to a guy this morning and said you can use ACF Connect if you want to to reach out to us about information. Um, next weekend, we have our monthly baptism. I can't wait. Baptism is like payday around here. It's so much fun. And if you've not been baptized since coming to Christ, this is for you. And so there's a slide on the screen. You can go to that website and reach out to brandy at acfellowship.org. It'll be there. And we'd love to get you set up for baptism. It's a lot of fun and it's life-altering. That's all I can say about it. So if you have any questions, please holler there as well. And then if you guys want to go spend an hour or two hanging out and come back at about, let's go 12.30 or 12.45 and go to our barn. We have a Next Steps class today. We do this monthly for new attendees and for people who've not yet connected to ACF. Last an hour, child care is provided and there's food, which is the best part. And we'll have staff and leaders there. We'll explain our, the first part of our church to you. This is the first of four weeks we're doing and getting people aware of ACF and classes, and small groups, and spiritual gifts, etc. So feel free to go hang out and come back in an hour or two, um, one o'clock, but no later at the barn up on our the red barn, top of the hill. It's the highest point on the highest point, which is kind of cool. Um, all right. Um, God, I'm pumped up. I hadn't preached in two weeks, and I'm, I'm backed up, so <laughs> buckle up, okay? It's not pretty, not pretty when pastors hadn't preached in a couple weeks. So, uh, Lord, we love you, and... <laughs> Um, we're grateful for grace and mercy. Uh, thank you that that declaration, you are good. It doesn't just sing well, Lord, it's true. And we need to put our feet down today and declare it, that you are good. When I pray to what the angels declared to the shepherds, peace on earth will come. Lord, there's peace in heaven. There's no conflict in heaven. There's no racism in heaven. There's no crime in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. And you said to pray that heaven would come to earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Invade, Lord. Bless your churches. Bless our leaders. And Lord, I pray for humility on my part this weekend as I get to share this message. Um, it's already messed with me. And I just love the people in the room, I love the people online, and I'm so grateful for this church. Pray for my brothers and sisters who are pastoring equally great churches right now in the city, thinking about my friend Archbishop Sterling Lands, 
over at Greater Calvary Bible Church and his sweet family. Bless them today in Jesus' name. Thinking about Tim Hawks at Hill Country Bible. Thinking about Jonathan Spencer right across the street, Lord, at Austin Baptist Church. Bless them today. They're great people. Thinking about Doug Weckerman over at Red Rocks Church. Lord, bless them today. Thinking about J.D. Griffith at Antioch today. Bless them in Jesus' name. A lot of great leaders in the city, Lord. Galen Clark, Bishop Wilkerson. Fill them up. In Jesus' name. Amen. Sorry I got distracted there praying for my friends. It happens. Amen. It does happen. Okay, um, if you want to find a Bible, go to John, the first chapter. I'm going to get there in just a minute. We are in week three or four of a series called Mining for Gold. And it's a series about honor. Honor. And I want to put the word honor on the screen for you. Um, you guys have responded so well already to this series. And I appreciate you flexing with us the last couple weeks as um, Chris stepped in a couple weeks ago on very short notice and did an amazing job talking about honoring leaders, which feels a bit relevant today, don't you think? And uh, we talked last week about honoring ethnicity and what it means to promote people of varying ethnicities. And you guys responded so well to that message. Um, honor simply means to call out the value of something. I'm going to repeat this every week of this series because I want you guys to really get it in your DNA. I want us to get it in our DNA. Honor is when um, you, you put an appropriate price tag on something. In honor, you never mark something down. Sometimes there are sales. When you take the, the markup of an item, maybe it's 15% added for retail, and you mark it down to it's maybe a real closer price, you never mark down with honor. You always acknowledge the true value of something. In our, in our cancel culture, that's all about marking down. Friends, as I talk through this honor series with you, and you're realizing it as well as I am, that there's this um, call on the church to model something different for the world. And honor is one of those things we get to model. That In a world of dishonor and accusation and finger-pointing and canceling and all the stuff that's going on, violence, verbal and physical violence, we're the people who, who call out the gold in people. And it's based on the belief that there's gold there. We're not making it up. We believe that gold is in every single person because every single person is made, including the leaders of the Taliban, the leaders of Al-Qaeda, people who, who hate other people, the worst criminal you can think of. That they're, We believe... They're stained as we are by sin, but there, there is gold in them that we have to call out and say, you're better than that. It's not who you are because you're made in the image of God. God's good. We just said it. God's good. So honor is, the, is the putting the appropriate value on something. A culture of honor, which we'll put on the screen, is where a group of people, a family, a small group, a business, a school, a church, Choose to live by the rules of or a code of honor. Now, codes of honor can be really negative. And, and if you, codes of honor aren't calling out, can often be not calling out the golden somebody. It's like, if you dishonor me, you're going down. If you embarrass me, if you embarrass my God, you're going down. That's not, that's not the honor we're talking about. A culture of honor is where people choose, and the scriptures talk about this, 
to treat each other in honor. I was reading Romans 12 again today in my quiet time. I love that. Just give preference to each other in honor. Outdo one another in honor is the verse. It's just part of the Christian culture. So think of how counterintuitive and countercultural that is. In the Old Testament, uh, I have, I've had atheist friends throw this verse at me that the law seems so foolish to them because the Bible says you can't mix two different types of crop in the same field and you shouldn't wear garments with two different types of material in there. And they think that's so stupid. No, it's not. God called his people to be different and that's a representation of holiness. You don't mix things in holiness. Then garments didn't make you holy. It was a symbol. We don't wear mixed clothes as the people of Israel because we're representing an unmixed God. That's all it was. Well, in honor, you don't mix, you're, you're supposed to be set apart and to be showing a different way to live. Okay, so I'm going to give you, um, you know how you buy futures on stock sometimes or whatever? I'm going to give you an ouch future. Okay, I want everybody, on you guys online, everybody in the room, I'm going to say one, two, three, you can either type the word ouch or say the word ouch because the only way this is not going to ouch you today is if you're already in heaven. Okay, because I'm talking about honor and words. Okay, and it's been beating me up all week long. I feel I need to go live in the desert for 40 days and fast and pray. Okay, so I'm going to do one, two, three. I want you to say ouch. Just get it out in advance because it's going to come. One, two, three. Okay, that feels good. Okay, save that. You're going to need it. So we're talking about words. <laughs> Spoken words, written words, texted words, posted words, plastered words, graffitied words. Words can be used to bring great joy and great... Um, Encouragement to people, words can be used to tear down. I read an article just checking the headlines. I don't, I don't watch NASCAR. Nothing wrong with NASCAR. I don't watch it. But apparently at a NASCAR event yesterday while the reporter was interviewing the winner of the race, the crowd was chanting so loud some very inappropriate things about our president that they had to cut off because the chant was so loud with a very inappropriate word on national television. Words can use, be used to really bring dishonor to people. And when words are used to make you feel better or to relieve something, I'm not talking about confession or, or appropriate recognition of pain and frustration, but when your words are used as, as missiles because you just need to go after somebody, it's the opposite of what words are for. So as we talk about, you got your ouch ready yet? So as we talk about Communication. I want to go to 8 million feet or 8 million years to the original concept of communication and see what it's for. Just about every, listen, just about everything on earth is a representation of realities in heaven. We have things on earth that are metaphors or teachers for us about realities in heaven. Communication is one of those things. Communication does not originate with humans. Communication originated with God. And if we look at God, we can find out the purposes of communication. John 1.1 uses the word, word. It's a name 
metaphor for Jesus. It's the word L-O-G-O-S, logos, which means thought, concept, or ideas. Another word, rhema, which is more a spoken or uttered word, like I'm using rhema right now. Logos is a concept. It can ultimately be truth. John 1.1, 1, 1, the first line of John's gospel, meant to parallel Genesis 1, says, in the beginning was the word. The word is a name, metaphor for Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. In the beginning was the message, the concept, the thought, the idea. And the word was with God and the word was God. So isn't it interesting that John, when introducing us from a philosophical, the other gospels start on earth with Jesus coming and being baptized and baptizing John, being baptized by John the Baptist, et cetera. John starts from a philosophical standpoint. He starts from eternity. The parallel to Genesis, in the beginning before time was the word, was a thought, an idea, a concept. Um, God, put this on the screen, is the original communicator. That verse, Genesis 1-3, let there be light, That's before God made the sun and moon, before God made the stars. What's he talking about? Communication, revelation. Let, let everything that follows, verse 3 in Genesis 1, be about me being known. Communication. I'm going to create planets. I'm going to create uh, Milky Ways. I'm going to create animals and humans. I'm going to create subatomic particles. And all that's going to be used to show me. It's Communication. It's all about him. So the very first communicator before you and I ever came along was God. The very first message was Jesus. In the beginning was the word. He's the first message. All that he is and was and said and all the Bible teaches of him, the sum total of his revelation, of his message to us, is what God is trying to say ultimately. It's what God wants to communicate. He communicates through nature. He communicates, the scriptures say, in dreams and in, and in visions and all these things. But ultimately, his final word came to us. Hebrews 1, verse 1 says, or verse 3 says, in Jesus Christ. He has spoken to us in his son. So the first communicator is God. The first message was Jesus. John 1:14 says, the word became flesh. That's Years of theology, I don't have time to go into because basically God changed and God can't change, but God, God became. If he becomes, we need to become. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Here's the message. God became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son, only begotten son of a father full of grace and truth. What's the message? Grace and truth. Isn't that amazing? Not judgment, not wrath, not condemnation, grace and truth. Amen. The Doobie Brothers have a new album. Isn't that amazing? My daughter texted me and said, they're still doing it. And you know what? They're 70. And I listened to the first song this morning, and it's about grace and truth. I'm like, it's 70. They finally found it. They're not singing about doobies anymore. They're singing about something else. But that Tommy Johnson, Doobie Brothers, is singing about grace and truth. The same guy who sings Listen to Music and Without You and China Grove is singing about grace and truth. That's proof there's a God. Okay, I'm sorry. That's just proof there's a God. Go doobies. Yeah, reel me in, reel me in. Chris is praying. 
It's great news. When they do a crash and burn at a concert, and it goes, that's it. That's all they can do. <laughs> when they headbang, it's this. And then they got, they're off that, Doobie's concerts are great because they're off stage and in bed by nine. That's where I want to be. <laughs> they start their concerts at 5 p.m. so they can go to bed. The purpose of God's communication is twofold. It's to make him known and to call us up. That's what God does with communication. Isn't that interesting? The point of God's message to us it's Genesis 1-1, let let Genesis 1-3, let there be light. It's to, it's to reveal him. Everything you see in the world is to reveal him. Don't look past beauty. Don't listen past music. Don't miss what God is doing. He's always communicating. He's saying something. He wants to be known because in, in him is life, the scriptures say. But secondly, he wants to call us to be him, to be like him. Not to be God, but to be like him, to be with him, to be in relationship with him. So communication does two things. It reveals God to us, and it calls us to him. Now, this will be on the screen. In a culture of honor, words, in the beginning was the word, in the culture of honor, words are used in alignment with God's original purposes for communication. Now, that may not be true in other cultures, but in a culture of honor, words are meant to make God known and to call people up. That's it. If we're moving beyond just communicating basic facts, I'll be at the store, I'll meet you at six. If we're using communication for other purposes, it's at some point got to reveal God. And secondly, got to call people up to him, to be like him, to call the gold out of people. You're better than that. You're the image of God. So as we communicate in a culture of honor, now I'm getting convicted, here's your ouch. Our words are meant to make God known and our words are meant meant to call people up to him. That's it. He's the first communicator. And what he does is make himself known and call us up or do the same. Now let me, for a minute, just hide behind the scriptures. I got like five verses here I just want to read to you to make my case. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk <laughs> come out of your mouths. Another translation says, let no unwholesome words. Well, I'm, I'm done. Let no uncorrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion. Really? Speak only that which builds up. That it may give grace to those who hear. Do your words, do, do people walk away having felt graced by you when you've encountered them. I think the crowd chanting at NASCAR yesterday didn't have grace in mind. Proverbs 12, 18, there is, no, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So is your tongue like a sword thrust or is it like a healing bomb? Ouch. Proverbs 16, gracious words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health for the body. Your words can like be 
health to somebody else. Some of you have spent hours in counselor's offices or working through issues or have your own stuff because the words spoken to you were not honeycombs when you were growing up. Some of you grew up in toxic verbal environments where God was not made known with the language and the language and the words did not call you up. And you've spent appropriately a lot of time trying to work through that. And here's the difference. Gracious words are like a honeycomb. Ephesians 5 says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Jonathan, Tommy, can you say debauchery for me, please, real loud? Come on, British accent. Debauchery. It's got a British accent. It's so good. I just can't say it that way. Debauchery. Close? Okay. He's British, and he says debauchery, and it just sounds better. Can't say it with a Texas accent. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Look. When you're filled with the Spirit, what happens? Your words change. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your, in the, to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Really? When you're filled with the Spirit, that's how you sound. Now, go down to 6th and Congress on a Tuesday night at 10 p.m. and try doing that. Try, be, try speaking in hymns and psalms and spiritual songs. Friends, if you're, if you're full of the Spirit, you're not going to look like everybody else and you're sure not going to sound like them. Our words, we're going to bring honor to people, including God. Colossians 3.16 says, let the Word of God dwell richly within you. What happens when the word of God dwells literally with you? It comes out. Teaching and admonishing one another in wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. It's a parallel passage with Ephesians. Wow. It's instruction to the church. The book of James, the third chapter, talks about the tongue. It says, we can tame tigers, we can tame lions, we can tame, who knows, can't tame the tongue. James 3. He says, what a small, what a large fire can be started by such a small spark. And he says, we use our tongues to blessing and cursing at the same time. He says, brothers and sisters, these things should not be so. Ouch. Do I hear an ouch? I've been so convicted about this this week. We have a joke, a standing ACF joke in our staff. that It's just we say honor. Because we roll around around here, we have, we have fun, we mess with each other, and I'm typically one of the ones causing most of it, in, and I'll be going after somebody, and they'll say, honor? I'm like, okay, never mind, never mind. Culture of honor? No, sorry, I'm disqualified. So I got an ulcer when I was nine years old. And partly because I'm predisposed to stomach stuff, but partly because I had a coach at Little League Baseball who really wanted to win. I can still remember his name. And I remember, I think we played seven inning games. I remember sitting in the dugout watching another game happen. I was, I was born with a hand-eye de deficiency coordination issue. Couldn't hit, I couldn't shoot a shotgun and hit a, a, the broad side of a barn, much less a moving target. So when ground balls came, they're going to go right through my legs. I'm that guy. Outfield, it's landing over here. 
if I swang at the ball, I was going to miss. And I was just baseball. I shouldn't have been in baseball. I excel in things like hiking, individual <laughs> sports where you just walk. You walk a lot. Sometimes I fall, but mostly just walk. I remember being in the game, watching the innings go by. We're up by several runs. And I said, Coach, can I go in? He said, Will, we want to win this game. You should not laugh at that. That is not funny, okay? I'm, it makes my stomach hurt talking about it right now, okay? Ouch. Ouch. We want to win this game. And I remember like, oh, so, you know, here's my coach. And all the other guys are playing. And I'm, I, what is he saying? He didn't, he didn't mean anything by it. He's want to win. And you put Will in, we're going to lose. And he said that to me as a nine-year-old. Anybody relate to that? Bosses, school teachers, tutors, coaches, carpool drivers, parents. People are often spoken to as they've been spoken to. If you, know, if you look at someone who's learning how to do abuse early, violence or other kinds of abuse as a kid, they probably learned it because it was done to them. And so and people raised in a culture of dishonor spread dishonor. And he was not trying to hurt me, but I was sick as a nine-year-old because my coach communicated, you don't measure up. Juxtapose that with what I shared a couple of weeks ago about my student minister, who's now in heaven, Scooter McCurdy, and an army of men and women at High Park Baptist Church over on 39th and Speedway, constantly calling, the, as a crazy, rebellious, out of control, stupid teenager, constantly calling the gold out in me, which I didn't even believe was there. Juxtapose those two. One canceling, one calling out. Cancel culture, by the way, is not new, in case you hadn't noticed. And so this second group just, hey, Will, if this is who you are, this is who you could be. We see it in you. <sighs> really? Where do I sign? So before I begin to land this plane, I just want to say to, to you, first of all, if you're one of those on the bench and you've been spoken to in that way, then I need you to know how, how loved you are. And how valuable you are and how much you matter. How beautiful you are to God. And humans are humans and we're all got this, we're all S-I-N positive. We've all got the sin disease. And sometimes it comes out in words. Or worse. But I don't want that to define you. And I don't want, to, I don't want you to see yourself as that coach, as the coach saw you sitting on the bench saying, we want to win this game and you don't win. I don't want you to see yourself, or as the parent saying to you, you know, you're constantly overweight. Or why can't you make better grades? Or the husband or ex-husband ex or ex-wife who just used to say, you don't make me happy. Or you're not as sexy as you were, so I'm moving on. And that, that marks you, those words mark you, and the actions mark you. Um, there are words to describe that, and I can't say them in church. 
But I want to tell you in the strongest language possible that that is from hell. It's the devil. Because if he can get you to believe that, then you're never going to rise to the gold that's in you. And you're likely to be a spreader of what you've inherited. So I just want to speak over you today in honoring words how much you mean to God and how valuable you are. Psalm 139 says, when you go to sleep at night, God kind of stands over you and just thinks about you and prays for you all night long. You wake up and goes, let's go. How'd you sleep? Actually, I know how you slept. Let's go. He's in love with you. Second thing I want to say is um, words matter. Words matter. In cultures of honor, you have to be real strategic. You can never, David, King David prayed in the Psalms, Lord, post, and he was a king. He had guards over, Lord, post a guard in front of my mouth. Not to keep stuff out, not to keep stuff from getting in, but to keep stuff from getting out. Great prayer. James said, out of the mouth comes blessings and cursings. Brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. So culture, ACF culture of honor, I need you to think about, I need you to think about your words. And let the Lord heal you where words have been used to hurt you. But also let the Lord convict you of where you've used your words to hurt. Okay, let's land the plane. Honoring with words, here are six ways, okay? Six ways to honor with words. Number one, rethink communication. It's not to make you feel better. Putting that post online and telling the people of the opposite political party that you're in or the opposite issue that you're on what pagan swine they are isn't really a practicing a culture of honor. Remember, we're not, we don't wear mixed clothing. We're holy. Everybody else can wear mixed clothing and sow two types of grain in their, in their ground. We don't. We're holy. We don't mix. We don't mix. If you're online, you represent Christ online. If you're emailing, you represent Christ. And I'm talking to me. You represent Christ in email. But if you're firing off stuff, posting stuff to make you feel better, you kind of miss the point of communication. Rethink communication means that it is to make God known how you communicate can reveal God and is to call people up. You know, Will, this game's about over, but I tell you what, if we meet this week, I'll work with you on ground balls and swing at the bat and we'll see if we can get you in next week because I'd love to see you do better. You got it in you. Just call them up. Call them up. Rethink communication. 
I need you thinking about God's purposes. The original communicator is God, the original message of Jesus. That's the standard, okay? I'm having too much fun. Everybody say goodbye to Lauren. Bye, Lauren. We love you. She's leaving. <laughs> Director of communications, just walking out mid-message. It's okay, Lauren, really. No one saw you do that. Honor, honor, honor. Rethink communication. That's great. Honor. Bye, Lauren. <laughs> She's going out to capture the service for the, non, for the crowd that's not here. Sorry. <laughs> Secondly, repent of evil uses. That would be one right there. Secondly, really, you need to go before the Lord and say, Lord, I need you to forgive me for using my words to kill people. I just walk in the rooms and start shooting. Just walk in and start throwing hand grenades at people. I need you to re repent of that. It means you go before God and you call it what it is and you change. And I'm, and I'm real serious about it. And I'm using the word evil on purpose because it's evil. The, the scriptures say that the, the truth without mingled with the spirit kills. It's still truth. But if it's not meant, presented in a way that brings up, it actually, truth can kill you and destroy you. So the way you say that's sin can kill somebody, or well, that's sin, can call them up. So we need to repent of using our words to be associated with evil and harm. And that may be where some of you need to stop right there. It's just go to wash your mouth out with literal or spiritual soap and start over in how you communicate. Number three, fill your mind and heart with God's word. Let the word of Christ dwell richly within you because when your word, when your mind is full of God's word, God's word's gonna come out. When your mind's full of Facebook or cancel culture or doobies sign, law, songs, that's gonna come out. So what are you, what are you filling your brain? What, is, what, are you, what are your, Dave Busby used to say, what is your mental chewing gum? Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you because when the word of Christ is in you, it's gonna come out. Now, it can come out in a reproof, it can come out in a rebuke, but, it's in, but rebukes call, good rebukes call up. They don't tear down. So fill your mind and heart with the word of God, and that requires time in the word of God, friends, as you all know. Track, I'm really harping on social media today, forgive me, but I'm just, I'm not a fan right now of it, and I, I stopped writing books because in order to write books, you have to be on social media a lot and promote yourself. And I'm just not gonna do it. I don't wanna be promoted there. I just don't. So track how much time you spend on social media and how much time you spend in the Word and just see which is having a greater impact or TV or whatever. Number four, catch people doing good things. This, there's an old one-minute manager principle, Ken Blanchard. Catch people doing stuff right. Managers walk around, and you may find somebody messing up and you can do a one-minute reproof, but in the best managers find people doing stuff right and go, add a boy, add a girl. So look for ways to catch people doing stuff right and affirm them on the spot, especially with children. Young people, people that you can influence because you're further along in life than they are, catch them doing good things and call it out. Look, way to, way to go. How'd you know to do that? Thank you so much for honoring that person. I see people in the room here today with green t-shirts on. I saw somebody in the hall and I was like, thank you for being here to serve. You're, you're serving today. Way to go. That matters. Just look for ways. The, the waitress, the waiter, 
the flight attendant, the person you pick up your dry cleaning from, the person you cut your hair. Catch them doing things that are good and call it out in them. They don't get a lot of that. They don't get a lot of, man, you really matter. They just don't. Number five, practice. <clears throat> okay, that's the C. Rethink communication or pen of evil uses. Fill your heart. Catch people doing stuff. Okay, two more. Practice affirmation. It's a building on catch people doing stuff. Right? But affirmation can be more formal. Um, Julie Washington talked about this in her message a few weeks ago uh, with Christian on student ministry here at ACF back in August. But it's, we practice this in David's family on birthdays, anniversaries, whatever. We sit with the person down and just say, here's why I think you're awesome today. Our kids have grown up hearing affirmations from each other. So maybe you should do this in your workplace. Or your, you know, the, kid, the kids you coach in soccer. Or at home, roommates. Hey, it's your birthday or we're going to have dinner and today we're going to just honor you. We do this on staff sometimes. We just, we're going to call you out and honor you. You'd be amazed at how, I, I remember watching my dad, hard-driven politician, elected a state and national official, ran into the highest levels of politics you can run in, played hard, fought hard, and later in his life, sitting at the dinner table, grew up in a single-parent home, had a drunk dad who disappeared. And I remember sitting at the dinner table with him and affirming him and him just weeping. Because I mean, he's got plaques signed by presidents on his wall, but he wept at our affirmations. He didn't ever hear it. That's honor. By the way, the scripture says, when you see somebody with gray hair, stand in honor of them. Stand in the presence of the elderly. Last one. This is a great one. Pray over people. Now, I don't mean pray for people. I'm pray over. This is so good. This is, hey, buckle up. I'm going to pray for you. And you put a hand on a shoulder or a hand on a head or you join hands with them and you pray the blessing of God over them. You want to honor somebody? Call on God to honor them. It's so good. And it's devastating. I mean, I've never done that for somebody to have them walk away and say, that really offended me. Can't believe you did that. How dare you call God to honor me? And the more, the more controversial it is, the better to do it. Use your words to call on God to bless somebody. You bless them. I bless you. I call, bless means to declare holy. I declare you holy today in Jesus' name. I honor you in Jesus' name. God, I pray your presence will fill this person. I pray for healing and wealth and favor and blessing in their home and their family and their relationships. I pray you protect them from, from COVID and other things. And I pray for peace in their home and joy in their lives and fullness of your spirit. Lord, I bless them. That is hard. You don't recover from that very quickly. So a lot of you are great about praying for people. I'm encouraging you today to pray over people. And that means you got to get comfortable praying. But maybe start at home. Start with your kids. Start with your grandkids. Start with your family, your spouse, whatever. But, but you know, be the guy or the girl who's like, can I just pray over you? Because you can have a really meaningful conversation. When you, when you bring prayer into it, it, gets asked, it goes to the stratosphere in meaning. I, heard, I was on a phone 
long distance this week with somebody I'd never met and was talking about a thing here, business thing, church thing going on. And they told about a passing they'd had in their family recently from COVID. And we talked shop for a while and the call was ending and I just said, can I pray over you? And before she said yes, I started praying. And you hear the sniffles. And you hear the yes gods. And the conversation just changed. Now, now she's blessed because she was on the phone with me. Not because we talked about business, but she, now she's blessed because I prayed over her. The purpose of communication is to make God known. The purpose of communication is to pull people up. In a culture of honor, that's how we roll. Isn't that great? Don't you want to be that community? That just, the, the tongue is, like, we don't mix our clothing. We don't wear two fabrics. We, our words do one thing. They call people up. Now, I've got to work on this a ton. But if you think about what's going on in our culture right now, can you think about a more appropriate word for us? Let's pray. You've listened so well. Thank you. Well, Lord, I want to use my words to honor you right now and tell you how much we love you. And I want to use my words to ask you to help us make our words better. Please. I'm going to ask you to forgive us of using words to hurt people and tear people down, to vent, to target, to relieve anger and stress at the expense of somebody else. And I want to ask you to forgive us for the times I have, we have written, emailed, posted, plastered, whatever, mailed, anything short of let there be light kind of communication. Lord, the world needs um, to see what holiness in everyday reality looks like and to hear and to read what holiness in everyday life looks like. So, Father, I trust you to do your work in this message and in your word. Thank you for sending Jesus to show us what communication is all about and how to know you. Thank you for calling us up, Lord. Thank you that in the language of Psalm 103, you forgive our sins, you heal our diseases, you do not hold our iniquities against us. You're quick to forgive, quick to heal, quick to give life. Thank you, Lord. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Whew, amen. I'm tired. I feel like a train hit me. You guys online, we love you. I think topic next week is honoring parents. Maybe we need to start with ouch on that one. Um, we love you guys. We'll see you next week.